Leah Pronovost, Take the Shamanic Journey, and Let the Healing Begin. Episode 105, Alternative Health Tools Podcast. Leah Protovo suffered a near-death experience that awakened her, in middle age, to healing modalities that may sound exotic to some, like crystal reiki, energy mastery, and shamanic healing. But her practice comes into focus as she walks host Kim Shea through a guided meditation. By the end of this session, it sounds like Kim is packing her psychic baggage to go on a shamanic journey with Leah. Perhaps you will be, too. Trauma, of course, is usually the trigger for the spiritual healing quest, and Leah calls herself a specialist in soul retrieval. Today, I have a guest, Leah Provenost. She's going to talk about shamanism with us. And welcome, Leah Provenost. Hi. Thank you for coming in this morning. Oh, thank you for having me. So I'd like it if you would tell us about your background. Okay. I started in spirituality, if you will, when I was about 14, maybe 15 years old, I started doing some type of self-hypnosis in trying to quit smoking. Believe it or not, I was a smoker back then. And it did help for a little while, but it didn't. And through that, I started experimenting with altered states of consciousness through different types of meditation and hypnosis combinations. And then around, I think it was 16, maybe it was 17 years old, I started reading Carlos Castaneda's books. And that got me interested in the whole Toltec shamanism way of life. And believe it or not, I even experimented with some of those drugs that he had wrote about in the book and and experienced some of the things that he talked about in meeting the spirit allies of the plants and everything else. It just confirmed, for me anyway, it confirmed that all living things have a spirit. And from that point on, I continued with my spirituality and pursuing practices, but not so much through the drugs, because once again, psychedelics such as those can be harmful to the body. In some cases, they're necessity, an evil necessity, if you will, to expand one's mind. However, it does cause damage to the body and in the long term can cause other problems with your own spirituality. So basically it's to be used as opening up the door to show the possibilities of how we are basically just an awareness that's living in a body and existing in a world filled with energy, if you will. And that life in and of itself is nothing but energy. I don't know. At some point, life caught up with me and I got, I married, had a child and kind of left it behind my spirituality. 
and then when I was about 46 years old, it came back and hit me upside the head, so to speak. <laughs> Get back um, here. <laughs> yes. What I mean by that is I had a near-death experience that brought me to the other side of the energy shield or between worlds. And basically, I learned that I wasn't serving my life's purpose, so I, I needed to get back into practicing, and I continued with my dreaming capabilities and expanding those as much as I could and had a lot of experiences within the dream world. I started studying other types of healing surfaces, the energy mastery from India, on top of the different types of shamanic practices of herbs and shamanic journeying and stuff like that. And then I also studied many different types of Reiki. And I also studied under Barbara Brennan, not that I took her classes, but I investigated her practices of laying on of hands and how to perceive auras and everything else through developing that technique. Also seeing energy fields through the shamanic practices. So, so I have several questions based on what you said, as I always do. I didn't say how we met, but I was running a dream group, an Edgar Casey style dream group. And that's how we met is that you joined the dream group and you always had the most amazing dreams. They were very inspirational because you would have pages and pages of dreams where some people would come to the meeting and they couldn't remember a single dream. And you always had pages in your journal of very detailed dreams. I learned a lot from you about shamanism and just all of your amazing gifts and capabilities. But um, you said that we are basically an awareness here. And then some people say we're a spiritual being having a physical experience. Is that the same thing? Like when you say we have an awareness, is that a... It's a fine line definition. I'm not sure what people mean by spirit. In some cases, it might mean the same thing. I, I would associate it more with a consciousness than spirit per se. Whereas when personally, when I think of spirit, I think of the energy, the life force, my understanding through the Toltec way of life is different than that energy or that life force that's spirit that exists. Does that answer your question? Yeah, it does. It does. Thank you for clarifying that. I know your dreams, you shared some really interesting dreams where like you were meeting with other people in the dreams. You, you had a group where people would go and meet with other people, agree to a designated location and you'd all get together. And then when you met in person in the flesh, then you would find out that yes, you had all had the same experience. Is that part of shamanism? Well, it, I mean, there's much more to it than just shamanic it's part of the toltec way of life but there's different aspects to shamanism in other words there's some shamans don't do the dreaming side of things and this for lack of better terms it kind of follows carlos castaneda's toltec way into the dream world which 
and also it follows the path of like dream yoga. Dream yoga is like how the Toltec shamanism and the art of dreaming, because it's an art, it helps you to develop your awareness, what they call the left side awareness. Okay. Our right side awareness has to deal with everything that's within this realm, what we believe is real and solid. The left side awareness is what deals with energy at its purest form. So one of the things that we do in either dream yoga or the art of dreaming, whatever you want to call it, what we do is basically try to achieve out-of-body experiencing. That group that I belong to back east in Massachusetts, Connecticut area, we were all over New England. We would have meetings that we would actually go to in dream world and meet up with each other and discuss certain things, do certain things, and, and then come back and talk about it at one of our meetings. That was a lot of fun. And it showed me that, and amongst many other experiments that we had performed either individually or not, it showed that the dream world is just as real as this world. So through the dream world, we can actually change this world, or at least change the perception of this world. Because if what I'm saying is true, that we're truly just an awareness, it's all about how we perceive the world. Now, my understanding, I understand that the way that we perceive the world is taught to us from the moment of birth into this world. We're influenced by those around us telling us to even just a parent looking down on their child saying, goo, goo. <laughs> we're telling them, this is my finger, this is me, see me, and, and, you know, that we're influencing that. And I'm not saying that this world is any less real because we're taught to interpret the world in a certain way. But there's so much more to this world that, that we're not taught. For instance, when, when we're born, you have millions of synaptic pathways and when you're, you become an adult, once you're past 25 years old, those millions of pathways aren't there anymore, and you're down to several thousand. So where did they all go? We lost a lot of stuff that we were born with as a human being. So for you as a parent, I, I know I've got so many directions I want to go here, but for you as a parent, when you're raising your son, you would bring to it a different level, I would expect, even though you said you got away from this for a time from your spiritual path here. But when you're raising your child, and so you know there's all these synaptic pathways, and you're also bringing in this different spiritual teaching, does that make it so that you have more synaptic connections as you get older? So you've got the uh, brick and mortar of the planet that you're experiencing, and you're teaching the children about that. This is a cat. This is hot. But then you're also teaching this spiritual truth to them. Does that then create more synaptic or preserve more synaptic pathways? I would hope so. But once again, I don't have the technology to measure those synaptic pathways in real time. 
I know that because of my influence, my son is more of a spiritual being. He believes in a lot of different things and that there's much more to life than what we're shown here in, in this reality, if you will. Yeah. He does believe in dreaming and he tries to dream. One thing that is common through most of the shamanic practices is dreaming, if not used to develop the awareness, dreaming is a doorway to the spiritual world throughout all shamanic practices, no matter where that is, whether it's North American, South American, Australian, Aborigine, Inuits up in Canada, Mongolians in Mongolia, no matter where it is, dreaming is always trying to leave us connected to our ancestors, to the Mother Earth, to the spirit of the plants, the spirit of Earth. Yeah, and then going off of that, I feel like I could paint this conversation right now. I feel like there's this line going up the middle and you're you're saying stuff and then I could be painting this branch that's coming back out and bringing it around. It'd be very pretty. I think I'm going to paint it. I'm, gonna <laughs> I'm very motivated by this right now. I'm inspired. You talked about what shamanism and, and well, what dreams are trying to show you, I think I'm going to mess this up, is that your perception can change the world. So with the help of the dreams, you're altering your perception of things or you're having this different experience. And so from that, you can change, you can actually change the world based on changing your perception. Is that what you were saying before? Yes, and to a certain extent. You can alter things within this reality. Think of it as there's many different types of worlds. The dream world is just one world to get into the spirit realm. And once in the spirit, let's call it a doorway, if you will, because shamanic journeying and meditation are are doorways to that world as well. So once in the spirit world, you can manipulate things within the energy fields that affect this world. If you were to take a look at an individual's aura, which is the energy field around the human body, and you can affect that energy field, in particular, we're talking about healing now, what you want to do through either your shamanic practices or through Reiki, what you're doing is actually changing the energy field in order for achieving a healing of that person's maladies. Yes, see, you can change the world, the physical world while in that realm. Okay, so when you changing when you're talking about changing the physical world, you're talking about changing the world of that individual's body. But for example, you could not go in and change global warming. No, it, it, oh. it see it, it gets a little bit more complicated. It would take the world to change that, or at least a large enough group to be able to change the energy field of the world itself, if we weren't interfering with it, would be capable of healing itself. 
mm-hmm. just like yeah. the human being is. I believe that the Mother Earth is a living entity and has a spirit just like we do or mm-hmm. an, an awareness. Right. We may not be able to talk to it like we are talking right now, but it, you can communicate with Mother Earth through the spirit world very easily. So the thing is, when you're talking about something like that, it would take a massive amount of people to be able to change what what we call collective awareness or collective consciousness. Okay. That's pretty big then. That's, yeah. that's quite the undertaking. Yes. I, all right. I do understand that. So what's, you mentioned shamanic journeying. We're going to loop back here again, shamanic journeying. And that is something that you do and you help people do that, right? In your practice? Yes. Yeah. I, in particular, one of my specialties is, is soul retrieval. Now, soul retrieval is used when somebody has experienced trauma. And just something a little bit about trauma. We all experience trauma. Every human being across the board, some of us are able to deal with that trauma. Some of them may not be able to deal with the trauma. It's when you can't deal with the trauma, the piece of your soul is missing or, or goes missing, or it, you're, you're creating a, a way to be because of that trauma that in your mind at the time of the trauma believes that it would have helped you to deal with the trauma. So in soul retrieval, in a shamanic journey, we're able to see what caused that trauma and then go in and tear up that contract that we created and create a new contract with ourselves that will allow us to be free of what caused us to be certain ways in our life. So in the type of shamanism that I work with soul retrieval, the soul is basically the heart of the spirit. And just like our human heart, it has four chambers. Those chambers are first and foremost, the chamber of wounds, then the chamber of contracts, and then the chamber of grace, and then the chamber of treasures. And typically, usually we do four journeys, four separate journeys into each one of those chambers. And then we do some work with those experiences through that shamanic journeying into those chambers. These are things the client does on their own. I guide them in the journey. I bring them down into the underworld and introduce them to the gatekeeper. And we journey to each one of the chambers. But whatever they experience in those chambers is their own experience. I do not influence them that at all. I'm just there to guide them, make sure they don't get lost, make sure that nothing gets attached to them in the underworld and so that they have a safe and productive journey figuring out what causes them to be the way that they are. So you take them on basically like a guided meditation where you're telling them what they're seeing or is it more open than that? I, basically what I do is I use... I'm 
I mix things up. I basically show them the tree of life. We open up sacred space and sacred spaces first by giving homage to the six directions, basically the four winds, south, west, north, and east, as well as down Mother Earth and up the star nations. I can give you the little prayer that I do to open up. Yeah, that would be great. It's such a beautiful (laughs) practice. I'm just everything about it. So it's so real. That's what I like about it. Covering everything in all levels of existence. In, In my practice, I start with the directions and I start with South and each one of the four directions is represented by an animal as well. So To the winds of the south, great serpent, you who teaches me to be close to Mother Earth, you who shows me the way of beauty, thank you, protect us. You who wrap your coils of light around us, protect us on this journey. To the winds of the west, Mother Jaguar, you who teaches me impeccability, you who shows me the way beyond death, Take us into the spirit world, to the winds of the north, hummingbirds. You who shows us the stillness amidst the noise and haste. You who tells us the whispers of the wind are our ancestors. Allow the spirits of our ancestors to help protect us. To the winds of the east, great eagle. You who teaches me to fly wing to wing with great spirit. You, who shows me protection by taking me under her wing, protect me in this journey and those that I love. To you, Mother Earth, who all life on this planet comes from, I pray for all your children, the two-legged, the four-legged, the creepy crawlers, the ones that cannot move, the fur, the fin, the winged, and those filled with chlorophyll, all my relations. So to you, Mother Earth, who feeds all life on this planet through the sacrifice of her children, to you who helps to heal all life on this planet, guide us through this healing process. Father, Son, Grandmother Moon, the Star Nations, you who cannot be named, you who goes by a thousand names, allow us free access to complete this journey safe and sound. Namaste. That is just beautiful. It is so pretty. Thank you for sharing that. That was really pretty. I've just drawn more and more to this practice that I feel like I never had any interest in whatsoever. I really have not been. But in the last year, since I, since I guess since knowing you, I'm really very interested in it. And that's really just beautiful. Thank, Thank you. you. So can you give me an example, let's say somebody's had a trauma, like they've lost a, a partner or whatever. And so they would go, probably would go back a long time ago. So it'd be a trauma. So let's say somebody had something as a child, like they lost a parent or something like that. And that was trauma they didn't overcome. Can you give us an example of what that type of a journey would be like, the shamanic journeying for that person? I, I can only imagine what what they would see once we get into the chamber of souls. It may be that they see, but we would open up sacred space. I would use Palo Santo around the room, blessing the area and 
of course, when that prayer is said, I actually face each one of the directions. And then the person I'm asking them to either sit or lay, whichever they're most comfortable with. And then I walk them through a guided meditation, if you will. Not so much a, a simple shamanic journey, but more of a guided meditation. I talk them, I talk to them about going in and into an open field and seeing basically the tree of life. And they actually are becoming one with the tree of life, going within the tree of life and feeling the flow of the life energy of the tree. And what we basically do is we go down into the heart of the tree, into the root system of the tree, and we become this energy field with the tree, basically going into Mother Earth, journeying lower and lower into the earth till we basically come into this cavern. And the cavern is a place where they can actually... It, for lack of better terms, stand up and move around. And we discover this in this cavern, there's a stream. And we lay down in the stream and we allow the water to wash over us, feeling the coolness of the water. And eventually letting the energy flow of the water carry us through with the stream. And we end up going on this journey in the stream while the water is pushing us along into this open pond. And it, there's brilliant sun and beautiful day. And we basically flow over to the shore of this pond or lake. And it's there that we've arrived into the underworld. And I introduce them to the gatekeeper. I tell them at this point in time, I'm going to stay here, but if they want me, I can follow along, but it's not my journey from this point on. The gatekeeper, I have the client basically ask the gatekeeper to take them to the chamber of wounds. And if they want, like I said, I can come along as an observer or I can stay there. It's their journey. And the gatekeeper then takes them on a journey across the land into basically another cave or chamber. At this point, it's the person perceiving. So I've had clients perceive many different types of aspects. One of them was like a house. Another one person, it's like a cave, a dark, dungy cave. And they go in and they witness something within that chamber. Now, this is the point where if we're talking a fictional person, they could perceive anything. They can perceive a child dying. They could perceive actually what really happened. They could perceive something totally different. When I did this, because I wouldn't do anything that I wouldn't do myself when I did this for myself, basically because I, I, I had a lot of traumas throughout my life. What I perceived was a, a person standing there, this little child standing there, and they were being 
poked with all these needles all over their body. And, and it just looked extremely painful for this child. And of course, I perceived it. There was no harm in what I was perceiving. I wasn't feeling the needles. I was just perceiving this happen. Once I was satisfied with what I perceived, the gatekeeper, if you will, basically took me back to the edge of the pond. That's nice then. And then I worked my way back into the pond, swimming into the stream, letting the stream carry me to the cavern. The cavern, from there I floated up into, through the rock bed and into the soil of Mother Earth and Mm -hmm. then back into the Tree of Life's roots and out the Tree of Life. But this is where the work comes in now. Now we have to figure out what does that mean to me in my journey? And I won't go into it, but what you do is because of something deep and personal. Mm-hmm. Basically, what we're going to do is through other sessions, the individual, the client would then work with themselves. They would find a way to open up sacred space for themselves and basically go into a meditative state and ask themselves questions. Okay, what did I perceive? Why did I perceive this? On one half of the page is the questions. On the other half of the page is the answers. Because in shamanism, it isn't so much that the shaman is a healer, but the shaman holds space for you to heal yourself. Because that's what you're doing. You're healing yourself. So you need to answer those questions of what does that mean? What did I see? How am I supposed to interpret it? What, In my particular case, each one of those pins represented some form of trauma that I had experienced throughout all of my life. When I did the work, that's what came out, that each one of those pins represented some form of trauma. And so the next journey is to go into the chamber of contracts. Now, when I made this journey myself into my chamber of contracts, I actually saw somebody with a little old man (laughs) sitting at a table, like in a tavern type thing, um, basically writing on a piece of paper and there was my signature down at the bottom of the piece of paper, which was telling me that, okay, what I had to do was basically grab that contract and rip it up. Soon as I ripped it up, everybody in the tavern (laughs) was rejoicing. (laughs) So that's so cool. (laughs) Yeah. And basically I sat down and I wrote my own new contract saying, This is how I'm going to allow myself to be. I'm no longer going to be scared of my own shadow. I'm no longer going to suffer from PTSD. It became very, how should I, I'm trying to think of the proper word, exhilarating, but not enlightening, lightening my burden that I was carrying. I could feel like a weight was lifted from my shoulders. Then I work my way back up out of the journey and, and once again, sit down and do the work. Okay, 
we tore up that contract. What does that mean for me? Okay, I no longer have to be this way or that way or this way. The new contract, oh, oh okay, when this happens, it, this is the way I'm going to react now. And when that happens, this is because a lot of things, somebody that suffered a lot of trauma it, is basically suffering from PTSD. And different things for different people can trigger that PTSD in many different ways of reacting. So now we've written this new contract and, and saying that, okay, we know that way is wrong. And this is why it was, it's why we did it. We did it to protect ourselves, but we also know that we don't need to do that anymore. So because we ripped up that contract that we wrote at the time of the trauma, we realize now that doesn't fit our life anymore. So we, we change the way that we're going to allow our life to be lived. So it sounds like there's parts of it that are very draining. And yes. It's because it's heavy. It's just a heavy process. And then there are other parts of it where it's got to feel like exciting, like there's possibility, there's hope right. going forward. Right. Now, the third chamber is the chamber of grace. In my particular case, when we go through the whole scenario, a lot of times it, that work that needs to be done, it, we won't go on the, the next journey into the next chamber until that work is done and, and is completed. And you, as an individual client, feel satisfied with what we've done in that chamber. As I was saying, it, we don't move from one chamber to the other chamber unless the individual client is feels comfortable with what we've achieved within that one chamber. If necessary, we'll even go back into the chamber for a second bout or second experience if they feel that they haven't figured out what it is that they needed. But this is work that they need to do themselves. Like I said before, the shaman basically gives space for you to heal yourself. So the next phase of this would be going into the chamber of grace. Now, the chamber of grace is at that time of the trauma, a little piece of you, if you will, a piece of your soul, a piece of your spirit, whatever you want to call it, it is actually lost. And what we're going to do in that chamber is actually retrieve that little piece of your soul. In some people, it may be a whole being that they're going to retrieve. In my particular case, when I did this for myself, I actually retrieved a little girl that once I got there, I knew that she was me, that that was my innocence that I had lost at oh. the time of the trauma, mm -hmm. uh, basically. And, and we journeyed out of the chamber and over into the lake, and she followed me all the way up through the bedrock into the soil and into the tree of life. And out we popped up the tree of life, and then I received her right into my heart chakra because that's where... I felt she needed to be oh, gosh. Um, to, to make me feel whole again. Yeah. And it was, 
it was a magical moment when I felt her come into my heart chakra and actually become part of me again. I, I can't describe, I, I, I don't even, I can't put it into words what it was like. It, it was it was like this piece of me that was always missing, and all of a sudden, I just finally felt whole. That's I can't imagine. So. It sounds like a wonderful experience to feel like you. I mean, I guess even if you'd lost your hand or something, and somebody gave you your hand back, and all of a sudden, yeah, now I can go forward and function and do what I have to do. Yes, exactly. That's really neat. <laughs> and once again, there's work for a lot of people. It may not be so simple that chamber what they actually retrieve. They have to actually go through the meditative process and work it out and figure out, okay, where does this piece belong? And usually what I ask is somebody to just not even think about it, but when we're coming out of it, the tree of life with that piece that we've retrieved, just absorb it into their body, into one of their chakras, whatever chakra they feel. Don't even think about it, just feel it. And then figure out, part of it is figuring out what that actually meant. Why did it go into that chakra? Why? What did I need there? Once again, there's still a lot of work with it. it like I said, it may not be so simple as what I explained. With me, it was that... I needed to absorb this piece of me into my heart and actually finally forgive those that caused my trauma because they were actually family members when I was very young. And in order for me to be able to move on with my life, I, I had to give, allow forgiveness to happen. And, and for me, that forgiveness comes from the heart. You see what I mean? That you have to sit down and work yeah. out what that actually means. Yeah. So I'm so, picturing this could be like Saturday, the first of the month, you do the, the chamber of wombs. And the second Saturday, you do the contracts. But this could take a long time to go through yes. and, and to where you're really ready. And forgiveness is such a huge thing for people to work on. Maybe not for somebody like you, but for a lot of people. <laughs> well, it's, it's, oh, believe me, it's... Okay. You're so advanced. I have a lot of respect for you. You're so advanced. And so I would just think for some people, it could take weeks, months, years to yes. move on. But hopefully somebody who has come to this process to work with you has that openness and readiness and, and eagerness to work on that. Whereas somebody else might say, I can't do that. Believe it or not, when I take a client on for something like this, one of the things that I make sure of because I interview them to make sure that they are ready for this. They're ready to do the work. They want to affect a change within themselves. Typically, it, it's like I said, it, because I don't want to do all this work with a client and have them not get anything out of it. So I want to help them to heal. That's good to know that. I think that way you're not wasting anybody's time either. If you're not going to get anything out the, of it, it's not the right time, maybe. Exactly. And I'm not afraid of telling them that either. They have to be ready, willing, and able to do the work. So the last and final phase is the Chamber of Treasures. 
And within the Chamber of Treasures, we actually go through the whole journey thing again, opening up sacred space and going down into the underworld and meeting with the gatekeeper and the gatekeeper takes them to a chamber. And they actually, within that chamber, find something for them to take with them. Whatever, it could be an object, it could be an animal, it could be anything. And then once they figure out what that object or thing is, then we journey back towards the edge of the pond. Like I said, I I can come along or I'm sitting there waiting. Now, if I'm sitting there waiting, then as a free bonus in this journey, once they come back from the chamber and I'm sitting there at the edge of the pond, I ask them to ask the gatekeeper to allow their animal guide to come to them. Usually they just turn around and perceive an animal. And both the piece of treasure and the animal come with them back up through into the pond and and through the stream and through the bedrock and up into the tree. And then they receive that piece of treasure into one of their chakras again. Once again, you're going to do the work on why did it go to that piece of chakra? What does that treasure mean to me? Why this particular object? And then once you've worked out all of that, then we're going to work on do the meditation again and everything else and figure out, okay, what does this animal, my spirit guide animal mean to me? What are that spirit animal's strengths? Why do I need those strengths? What are its weaknesses? Why should I be aware of those weaknesses? Are those weaknesses that I have? So it's a lot of work (laughs) to go through, but very well worth the journey. Yeah, that's what it sounds like. And it's interesting because I was speaking to a new friend, a member of this team, And she said, have you been on this? I was telling her that I was going to talk to you. And she said, have you been on this journey? And I said, no, to be honest, I've never really felt that was something I need to do. But now that we're talking about it in such great detail, I feel like this is something I would love to do. It sounds, just sounds, sounds so valuable and so worthwhile. It is. Yeah. It's a beautiful thing. So can people come to you for this, for this soul retrieval And I guess the question is, like, right now, we're in a pandemic. Is this something that you can do for people? Yeah, I haven't done it since the pandemic, but I've not tried to do this remotely. There's other things that I do remotely. There's other healings, readings and things, Reiki, energy mastery, cleansing of the aura around an individual, either through shamanic practices or through the energy mastery. They're very close, very similar, by the way, the processes. It's almost as if the Hindu-Indian energy mastery follows, even though they're like the Aztec shamanic practice of healing and cleansing the aura follows half a world away. Yes, the words and terminologies are different, but the practices are basically the same. When you study 
the different types of what ways to manipulate and cleanse the energy fields around the body. So, which all affects the cleansing. Sometimes the cleansing needs to be done within the body, and that's where herbs and essential oils and stuff like that would actually come into effect. But basically, it's healing the entire person, the mind, the body, and the energy field or soul. Okay, so people should contact you to see what they need and see if they can work with you on that, Yeah, given the circumstances right now. And so I'm going to give out your website right now, and it's really easy to remember. It's lightspiritmedicine.com. And I'm guessing there's a contact me page or something on there. People yes. can contact Leah right there directly. So yes. I, I would highly recommend that people contact you if this is something they're interested in. It And what's interesting about it is it's, it's almost a whole life practice. It's not just something you do, you know, like on Sunday you go do shamanic studying or whatever. This is, <laughs> it changes the way you view everything, I would guess. Yeah, the shamanic way is a life practice. It's a way of life. It's not just going to church. Okay. It's all-encompassing. The way that we attack the healing process, and like I said, it's healing all three aspects of what it means to be a human because there's psychological effects. That's the mind. And there's physical effects. That's the body with the herbs and oils and then there's the spiritual effect, which is done through the shamanic journeying or dreaming. I want to be a part of it. I like it. <laughs> Leah, I want to thank you for coming on today and giving me so much of your time. And I, I think all the listeners will really enjoy what you have to share. It's just really very inspiring. Thank you for having me. And I'm happy to spread the word about it. So am I. So thank you very much. <laughs> thank you.